0: The materials provided are for information only and do not constitute as an offer. For investment advice, please consult professional advisors. Neither Zach or Jack are financial advisors. The information contained in this podcast episode has been compiled with considerable care to ensure accuracy at the date of publication. However, no representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made to accuracy or completeness. We shall not be responsible for any consequential effect, nor be liable for any direct, consequential, incidental, indirect loss or damage, however caused, arising from the use of, inability to use, or reliance upon any information or materials provided on this podcast, whether or not such loss or damage is caused by us. Links to third party sites are provided for your information only. The content and software of these sites have been issued by third parties. As such, we cannot be responsible for the accuracy of information contained in these sites, nor be held liable for any loss or damage arising from or related to their use. Investors should be cautious about any and all crypto asset and investment recommendations and should consider the source of any advice on crypto asset selection. Various factors, including personal or corporate ownership, may influence or factor into an expert's stock analysis or opinion. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual crypto assets before making a purchase decision. In addition, investors are advised that past crypto asset performance is no guarantee of future price appreciation. Do not invest money you cannot afford to lose. All investments come with a degree of risk.
1: Hello, Zach. Hey, Jack. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to be back uh, at the Tokenomics podcast. It's been a while since we recorded one of these, but super excited to have today's guest who... <clears throat> just released one of our you know first portfolio projects um, and we're going to talk to him about how that's going and get some general tokenomics podcast type of thoughts. Uh, Zach, why don't you give him a proper introduction?
0: Alexander Zeidelson is the CEO of the Beam team and this team is a little bit different than kind of most projects whether in crypto or outside in that the idea and technology for this protocol wasn't actually yes. developed by them, but was synthesized by them. Uh, they found the value in the Nimble wimble protocol and decided, you know what, uh, we're going to implement it and we're going to, you know, take a different approach than kind of the dominant implementation beforehand at the time. So, you know, Alex will speak more to that. But Alexander Zadelson from Beam, welcome.
2: Thank you guys. Thank you for the introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, And, uh, yeah, we are really super excited about what we're doing. Um, so as Zach said, we found out about Mimblewimble about slightly over a year ago and, um, you know, the team was pretty excited about privacy and pretty keen in the understanding about the need for privacy. And we felt that this Mimblewimble protocol can be taken even further than its original creators thought. So we set out to build, uh, assemble a team of great developers and started working. As you said, we, we wanted to use this startup model, right? The model where people are 100% focused on what they're doing and where people are funded. So that's what we did. We actually set out to raise some funds uh, pretty successfully from great investors, including Ezra Fund. And after just a little over eight months, we released our mainnet uh, on January 3rd this year. So development actually started in March 2018. And the mainnet was up and running on January 3rd on the 10th anniversary of Bitcoin Genesis Block. So, Alexander, how many.
0: How long did it take for you guys to identify the opportunity with the new
2: implementation of Mimble Wimble to, to beginning executing on it? Well, I think it took about like three months, you know, since the time the team kind of identified this opportunity uh, until the time the work actually started. Not very long. Yeah, that's a that's a really short turnaround time. And can you speak a little bit more
0: to like what motivated you? to do this implementation because I know you said you're interested in privacy privacy coins, but you know, I was interested in privacy coins too, but didn't implement a new version of the Wimble. So what, what really made you think that this was kind of the best way to, to spend, you know, your time and the team's, you know, talent in terms of making a dent in, in this space?
2: Well, uh, the team actually we we all are strong believers in crypto. We think that the potential opportunity here is huge. That's number one. Number two, we believed then and we believe now that without proper <coughs> privacy, there is little hope for crypto to, uh, to become mainstream at any point in time in the future. And we identified that Mimblewimble is actually the absolutely the best protocol for privacy and scalability because all the others, uh, um, had some sort of scalability issues in this or that way. So we also knew obviously that Grin uh, was working on uh, on a Mimble Wimble implementation, but we felt that with a funded team, we can move much, much, much faster, which actually happened, right? We uh, reached uh, same or maybe higher level of functionality in like one third of the time that it took Grin. By the way, we think that as we started moving forward green team actually intensified their efforts which i think was you know it's it's like always the com- competition is always great uh so i think that you know the fact that this new kid on appeared on the block with Mimblewimble, wimble it actually gave uh a grin guys a, a kind of a, a push and a, and they actually you know released their blockchain on january 15th I'm not sure that would have happened in January were
1: it not for us uh, to kind of announce ourselves. That seems very possible. So I think it's really amazing the sort of quick turnaround time you guys have had from a development perspective, beating Beam to the punch, or sorry, not Beam, beating grin to the punch. Extremely impressive, and I think it shows why a slightly more centralized development approach, um, I mean, you guys are still a very decentralized platform, your development approach is a little bit more centralized and why that can be an advantage. But I'm wondering now that people are maybe evaluating these two projects, Grin and Beam, in deciding to go one way or the other, they might look at Beam's treasury reward as a downside um, in maybe one becoming a miner or two becoming an investor. And so I'm wondering if you could speak to why you think that treasury reward is something well worth paying as an investor or a miner.
2: the, the idea of the Treasury ward was to incentivize further development of the protocol. And the Treasury ward is actually what made it possible for us to raise funds and what made it possible for us to incentivize the team uh, and advisors uh, for the coming five years. And also it made it possible for us to be able to set up a foundation that will actually take over the governments the governance of the protocol. So we feel that this treasury, and especially the way it's built in our case, it's built over five years and nobody is getting like uh, a large amount of coins, you know, immediately or very quickly. Everybody, investors, ourselves, advisors, the foundation are all on the same five year vesting schedule. So this actually creates uh, a very strong alignment of interest And this creates an interest for, say, for me and for other people on the team to invest our time and effort into this project and make sure it becomes, you know, we make the best out of it. So that's why I think people who are looking at us should look at the treasury Actually, as an additional guarantee that the protocol will be supported, will be further developed, and that there will be funds to allow that in the coming five years. After that, you know, our vision is to let this baby go and, and you know, let it be fully decentralized and managed by the community like the best projects in the
1: crypto space are. You know, we also felt like you know, that ongoing support, was a huge advantage, and I don't think there's very many projects that have been launched that have, you know, this sort of clear level of support on a five-year basis. And five years in crypto is obviously, you know, an eternity. And yeah. so that sort of that level of stewardship, um, and and not, a, not at any sort of huge exploitative cost, I mean, clearly, it's a huge strength of the project. And I'm wondering if This is sort of an interesting natural experiment. I mean, obviously we think that you guys are an exceptional team um, and that this is an exceptional opportunity. And so maybe it's not the perfect experiment, but I do think it's an interesting natural experiment of two projects getting off the ground at the same time that have very different structures. One is open source, um, one is funded. And I think our bet has always been that, you know, a funded team is going to outperform the open source equivalent in most cases. I mean, there are things like Bitcoin and Ethereum, which had such a significant first mover advantage that, you know, it's almost impossible to compare it to any sort of, you know, similar venture to yourselves. But we think that this is going to be an experiment which proves our thesis fairly soundly. So we're excited to see you guys continue down this path.
2: Well, thanks for the kind words. And we're trying to be humble. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, what I see in front of us is, is just tons of work. Tons of work and tons of challenges that we'll, you know, we we're facing and we will be facing. So it, it it's not it's not rosy at all, and we're not kind of patting ourselves on, on the shoulder yet. And you know, maybe we won't ever. I I actually do love this uh, this view, and I also share it that this is an experiment, right? So, so there are two models. They're both good. They're they're both proven in the world. You know, we had projects that were totally centralized. I think most of the software projects are actually centralized, but maybe it's not true in crypto. So exactly, we will see. And I do hope that Mimble Wimble will bring more, uh, there will be more projects, you know, doing Mimble Wimble in this or that way because the technology is just so awesome. And yeah, in, in several years from now, we'll look back and say, okay, turns out this model was better or this model is better or, turns out they both were
1: great, actually. Yeah, that's a distinct possibility.
2: So, so, Alex,
0: can you speak to more of the differences between kind of Grin and Beam? So it's, it's pretty clear kind of on a structural level, you have kind of open source sure. versus funded and team. But how does that manifest in terms of kind of usability and, you know, on both the, sure. where things are at now and long term?
2: Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, we're just a small correction. We're both open source. Obviously, all our code is also open. We, we are, uh, we're just more, uh, like centralized and, and funded. Although, frankly, you know, we, maybe we can just talk a little bit about this particular, uh, you know, term centralized. I mean, we do have like a CEO, a CTO, like a certain hierarchy, but I could argue that, you know, Grin team, and other kind of community projects or unfunded projects, they also have like an a hierarchy, right? There are the core developers uh, who are making uh, the decisions, right? Uh, so it's not like it's a totally like fuzzy, decentralized group of people, uh, you know, where everyone just does whatever they want, right? Uh, there still is like a a very clear and very transparent, by the way, even more transparent than ours. In, in Green's case, the, the, the decision-making procedure is very transparent. It's clear there are meetings of the, of you know, the core developers and decisions are made there. And some people have more weight and some people have less weight in those meetings. Uh, so the, the difference here is like, I would say the motivation of the participants, right? So in Green, arguably, people are doing this just for the fun of it or for the greater ideals. Whereas in our case, they're also getting paid uh, a salary for doing this. Although, you know, from, from my experience, money is not usually what really motivates people in the long run. You know, getting a salary in the end of the month is very nice, but uh, if you hate what you're doing or you don't care about what you're doing, uh, you won't be motivated. So I can argue that our team is also very motivated uh, and, and very passionate about what
1: we're, what we're building. Yeah I think that's a really good distinction between yeah, it's not yeah you're right it's not really a centralized decentralized thing it's more it's
2: more like a motivation like paid or not paid i i would say that that's because because there you know there always is like uh some sort of a decision making and some sort of a hierarchy now uh let's so that was like a discussion of you know uh what's similar, uh, or governance. But let's talk about the the actual differences in in the actual product. So the very obvious difference is the emission schedule, right? Where cap supply, uh, GRIN, is constant emission. Now, I'm not an economist, you know, to uh, discuss the benefits uh, or shortcomings of, of both methods, but, I think it it would make sense to think that uh, capped is kind of more suitable for sort of value while constant emission is kind of maybe more suitable for uh, means of exchange use case. But I think both can be used for both cases. Now, I think the bigger difference and the more important difference is that we don't just want to build a great confidential coin. We want to build something bigger. We want to build a coin that can be used by businesses and individuals and a coin where you not only can stay fully confidential, but where you can also choose to be compliant and choose to report uh, whatever your transactions are or all your financial history to uh, your auditors, to to the tax authorities, to the bank, whoever you choose. So we want to create something that does not exist in the world of crypto today. So today in the world of crypto, you are either almost fully transparent, like Bitcoin and others, or uh, almost fully opaque, like Monero and Zcash, right? So if I'm a business, I cannot use Bitcoin, uh, I mean, uh, as my as my primary currency. I mean, I could, but then it means that all my customers and all my competitors and all my suppliers would kind of get a lot of insights uh, about my financials, how much I'm, Am I paying uh, to who even and how much money do I have and so on and so forth. Right. So it's, it's a big problem. On the other hand, I probably cannot use Monero either because as a business, I would normally need to report my, you know, my financials to an auditor like once a year or whatever, once a quarter. And uh, I would also want to convert this Monero to uh, to Fiat at some point, you know, and put that into the bank and go through AML. And this is very difficult, uh, next to impossible to do with Monero, right? Because it's all opaque. So what we want to create is like this combined experience which gives people complete sovereignty, not just over the funds, but also over the information. And by sovereignty, I mean, you know, I decide whether there is information or there isn't, and if there is, then I decide who can see it and 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 when. Okay, so so that is uh, the core difference in the vision, and that is uh, a huge piece of work that is in front of us in the coming uh, months and years.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really in- innovative structure. You don't want to release a coin that sort of essentially, you know almost mandates putting someone outside of the scope of the authorities as as appealing as that is in a lot of ways.
2: Well, we do give this option. We do give this, I mean, we're not dictating anything, right? So I I like to compare it to cash, right, which is kind of being, you know, the governments are trying to kind of, you know, remove it as much as as they can. But, you know, with cash, you know, if I'm paying for, 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 for a glass of lemonade, I don't do any KYC. I don't do anything, right? Nobody knows who I am. But, you know, this lemonade store kind of prints a cash, uh, like a cashier slip, and then they report this transaction, right? To their auditor. And then they are, they do have to report. Now, if I come and buy a house or I come to a bank and I bring like, uh, whatever, a million dollars, they would want some papers, right? They would want some proof that I haven't stolen the money or whatever. And, you know, it, People do that, right? And then in some cases they do bring this piece of paper and say, okay, this is how I got those dollars. And then the bank says, okay, no problem. I, I put them into your account. So, uh, we want to give people a choice for each transaction to choose like what kind of information they want to provide in, in, into who. And then really get to this dream of, you know, w- w- this, this whole movement started like, okay, let's create a digital cash. Okay. But so far it's, you know, it lacks some of the properties of cash, right? Which is, you know, confidentiality on one hand, but then ability to, you know, to report on the other hand.
1: Yeah, it's it's cash that you can put under your bed and it's not going to depreciate into nothingness over time. And also you can prove to the IRS that where you got this cash, um, yeah. even though it's still under your bed. Metaphorically.
2: Okay. And these are very desirable properties, I think.
1: So... I'm curious, how did you guys approach supporting miners pre-launch? And um, has the mining landscape formed similarly to your expectations?
2: Well, we were talking to miners prior to launch. Um, We actually released all the mining software pretty late, maybe like somewhere end end of December, you know, close to the end of December. So people had like about maybe uh, uh, 10 days or a week to uh, implement everything. Uh, we were actually very, very, very surprised by the number of people who uh, are willing to mine Beam at launch, right at launch. You know, here's a little anecdote, right? So we were thinking about like what kind of um, the difficulty or what, what kind of difficulty we, we want to set to the network. And we said, okay, let's set it to, let's say like, what would be like a high number of GPUs that we would probably not reach at launch. Uh, And we said, well, you know, 10,000 sounds huge. So let's let's put it at 10,000 GPUs. And yeah, in reality, probably there will be a couple of thousands and, you know, and then the network will adjust. And what happened was like, we had like 200,000 or 250,000 GPUs, like very, very quickly. So, so we were actually surprised by the amount of interest from the mining community and it and it keeps i mean it keeps going that way uh so i think we have a a healthy you know right now we have about 200 yeah maybe three hundred thousand gpus mining i mean at this moment which is pretty significant i think for a very new thing that just appeared less than a month ago
1: it's really promising since obviously Trying to make sure the network is secure from early goings is a huge source of, I'm sure, concern for anyone who's trying to launch their own blockchain. Are you guys doing much mining internally?
2: Nothing at all. Well, uh, well, that's not not completely true. So I am. Uh, just earlier today, this morning, I launched like a miner on this on my home PC. So, yeah, I did some mining, so maybe I made like a, a couple, uh, beams, but you know, this was not really for, <laughs> for profit, right? I just wanted to see that things are working. So, so no, and, and I think, frankly, that it, it wouldn't even be a good idea for us to do mining internally because that would, you know, first it would defocus us and then it would raise questions, right? So how come like you guys are, mining uh, your own coin and maybe maybe you have some secret code or something like that. So we don't want to get there.
1: Yeah, I think that's wise. Yeah, I know that when the coin launched, there was some feeling that both with Green and Beam that miners were so heavily occupying the space that it was really hard to make much of a profit joining the pool. And while that's You know, not great for the sort of marginal miner who is looking to maybe make some money mining from their personal computer. It's really a good sign for uh, the two projects and for being specifically. So, yeah, I was wondering what you guys did to facilitate that. But I guess a big part of it must just be excitement with the protocol.
2: Yeah, uh, I think think it, it is exactly this. You know, we did talk to people before, and we did talk to miners, to 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 a lot of people. You know, asking them to mine or, or whether they were interested in mining. But in the end of the day, um, I think it was, you know, the, the guys were mining. It was not the people who we talked to before, and and it was not like the result of our uh, activity or our business development or even our marketing, uh, it was, you know, the interest from the community that probably share our belief that Mimblewimble is really cool and it's uh, the future. So it, it just, it, people just came, you know, build it and, and they will come. You know, personally, I'm not a very strong believer in that statement, but in this small, you know, in this small instance, right, we launched the coin and, and people came, people just came.
1: Yeah. And maybe I think that might be indicative of how plugged in the mining community is. But I'm curious in terms of your user acquisition strategy, you mentioned that build it and they will come is not necessarily the be all and end all for you guys. Um, what's your timeline sort of for trying to promote beam as, you know, an option for everyday use? I know we're still in very early days. Supply is still relatively limited. Um, I don't know. If you guys are mostly just monitoring the systems right now, making sure everything is running smoothly, or if you guys are fully launched in that aspect of the business.
2: So we will actually be publishing our roadmap uh, in a couple of days now uh, for the roadmap for uh, 2019, and uh, it does include, you know, things like mobile wallets. Things like integration with merchant services, like with, with with hubs, which will allow people to accept Beam as you know as payment in different kinds of services. And there are some services that are by nature very privacy oriented. Think of you know VPNs, for example, that you know people people use to kind of hide from their governments or whatever, and and they don't really want to be exposed. Uh, and don't want people to see that they sent, you know, a non-confidential cryptocurrency to those. So we will also be doing work around atomic swaps, uh, which will allow people to, you know, buy and sell Beam uh, or exchanges for Bitcoin without the need to go through exchanges, uh, which is also very important. We'll also be working on Lightning, right, uh, which a lot of people think is the, the way to solve scalability uh, you know the transaction speed on on blockchain and uh, our blockchain is no different it is pretty slow so lightning will in the future enable more usage now I don't expect uh, that you know tomorrow you know thousands of people will start paying with beam it is you know pay, paying accepting and paying with beam it's a long process. For this year, we have a lot of technology and also quite a lot of awareness to push, but this is, this is a long process. I hope that, and it will also be part of a more general movement, right? So we're not living in a vacuum. So we are part of the crypto movement and uh, it's not like somebody will suddenly start using a beam of, of altcoins. So this is a concentrated effort by all the community. You know, there are a lot of different initiatives to get there. Uh, and as people become more uh, aware and less afraid and more ready to use crypto, we will be there with all the, all the tools and all the usability and our
1: unique properties which were discussed. Amazing. And you, you just answered, you know, sort of a good deal of this question. But something that I like to ask the projects is, uh, what infrastructure do you feel is needed for Beam adoption and so what and what aspects of that infrastructure are you working on internally? You've already mentioned some. And what are you sort of counting on external solutions providing?
2: Internally, we want to create all the endpoints where the users can actually uh, receive and send the currency and also exchange it to others, right? So, so this, is, this is what we want to create. We might use the community as well. And we also hope actually to get integrated into other people's wallets because there are some really great wallets out there, uh, you know, which we might want to integrate in, in the future. Uh, and we'll build the basic infrastructure. So we won't be building any financial services like anything like, you know, stable coins or custody or stuff like that. Uh, that would be for other people to do. Yeah. So, so we're basically focused on the core, on usability and on uh, usability on all possible platforms, and the you know merchant services are for others to actually implement, and we will do whatever we can to support that.
1: Right. And you guys, if I remember correctly, you have a native wallet as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, of course. We do have uh, a native wallet for, you know, for for Windows, Linux, and Mac. Uh we will be releasing an Android wallet soon, uh and then iOS wallet later down the year. Uh yeah, we'll eventually will have the full uh, the full set of wallets for all the platforms.
1: Fantastic. So being exists outside of the command line in case anyone.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh uh you know, we think that and we actually experienced that, you know, with, uh, with with uh, you know, in, in, in our career. So um, there are a lot of very smart, intelligent people who have no idea how to use command line. I mean, they just get completely lost uh, when, when they get there. You know, just changing a directory is something that is, you know, if you're not a, a developer or a computer person, it's, it's hard really to understand. So I think anything that hopes for any kind of adoption, you know, needs to have a very easy-to-use user interface. I think it's it's clear. We actually put usability as one of the key values, I can say, of key values of what we're doing. So we want it to be easy-to-use, clear, um, understandable. Uh, I can't say we're there yet. There
1: is still a lot of improvement to be done. Is there anything else jack that you wanted to discuss i asked the questions that i was excited about we have a financial interest in making sure you alex get enough sleep tonight and so <laughs> i think yeah that's a nice a nice point to end on alex where can people who have never heard of being go to find out more
2: it's very simple uh everything is on our website it's www.beam.mw for mimblewimble so that's the website, uh, and you have all the links. We have a lot of different channels in different social uh, media. Uh, probably Telegram is at least is my it's my favorite. But so the community there is very friendly and very helpful. So any questions you have, there is a channel for support, a general channel for people to communicate. So but we're also on Twitter, on Medium, and Discord, and couple of uh, other platforms, so it's pretty spread out so everyone can find uh, their favorite favorite tool to communicate with Beam and uh, I really enjoy looking how questions by community members are answered very quickly by other community members and it's really like a joy to see this live and lively community that really cares
1: about something and is really ready to help each other. Alex, thank you so much for your time and your work. Uh, We look forward to monitoring your guys' progress. And yes, thanks again.
2: Sounds awesome. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you.